0: Good morning. If I can have your guys' attention real quick, thank you so much for coming today. You're in for a treat. A couple quick announcements that are important for us to, to know. Our men's retreat is coming up on August 10th, and we have about 25 guys signed up for it already. It's at Hayfort Campground. It's only about 30 bucks to go. If you want to go, you have to sign up. By the last day is August 5th, so if you don't sign up by then, you can't come. Um, out of the table out there, you're welcome to sign up. Also, very, very important, next week is our serve the city serve your neighbor week. And so the way we do this is we close down services about four times a year and we normally go out and serve with nonprofits. Well, this one, we, we push and encourage and plead with every single person to To host a barbecue, to to serve your neighbor food, spend some time with your neighbors. And so whether you do it in place of service on Sunday or you choose to do it throughout the week, that's great. Or if there's a way to serve one of your neighbors, maybe you've noticed they've been struggling to keep up on their lawn. Maybe you can jump in and help that way. The whole purpose is that you would jump in and serve your neighbor, be with them, spend some time there. And we do that by closing down the services. Actually, all of our gospel communities are hosting ones at their their in their neighborhoods or their communities as well. You don't have to be in a gospel community to go to one, but I'd encourage you to to, to join one, to jump in one, to do one. Um, don't just waste the time. Instead, would you please, please um, go and serve your neighbor the way that God commands of us, the way that Christ calls us to and leads us to. And that's the purpose of next week. So there are no services here. We're asking that you would go out and serve your neighbors, spend some time eating with them, host a meal. You don't even have to tell them it's your church hosting a meal. You can just... Hang out with them and not be weird. That'd be awesome. Um, second thing is, um, something that's really exciting is we have the Amani Kids Choir here. And the Imani, yes, they're all the way from Uganda. And so instead of, instead of us doing our services normally, we're going to have these wonderful children from Africa lead us in worship this morning. And a couple things I want you to be aware of. One is they do this to um, share the, the love and, uh, and hope of Jesus Christ They also do this to show the work that God is doing in and through this church in Uganda for orphans and getting them into education. Um, The the choir raises awareness for all of um, orphans in, in Africa, and so we're super excited about it. You may have seen a table out there with a bunch of stuff on it. They, they sell that to help fund getting kids into school and continue to work there. They also come to raise money. As a church, if you have given to Revolution 22, we have written them a check to just thank, you for, thank them for being here as a donation. So you've given to that. But we would encourage you to, to spend your money wisely on that table out there and, and use that to support them as well. Um, so why don't you guys come on up. We're excited to have you guys up here. And you guys can actually give them a hand because this is exciting. Yeah, That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. Let me start that over. That was a great applause. That was a good practice, okay? So I'm going to pray for them, and then we're going to show a video that will give you a lot more information that does a lot better job communicating what I just poorly communicated. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for James, Pastor James, and, and, and Kampala Church and what they do um, for your kingdom, your purposes in Uganda. God, we pray for these, these kids that are here. We pray that you would, you would comfort them in the time of being separate from family. We would pray that this time would be incredible, that they would be um, encouraged and, and invigorated by serving you here and God, we pray that you would you 'd bring the resources to continue to do the work that you are doing um, in Kampala. We thank you for the chance to, to worship together and we thank you as, as Danny prayed even before we started service, I thank you for just a small glimpse of what it means for every nation to be worshiping you together and so I pray that we would worship you with joy excitement we pray that um, we pray that these uh, this wonderful brothers and sisters are from Africa would feel loved and encouraged today. We pray that you'd go before their time, keep them healthy, go before their travels, allow everything to go incredibly well. And I just pray, God, that many, many people here, even in the States, would, would receive and know your son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, because of the work that even these wonderful children are doing here. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. My name is Brenda. I gave my my life to Christ when I was in grade three. The Lord has been good to me. He has provided for me. Psalms 103 verse 1 to 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his whole name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all all his benefits. I want to encourage you to be thankful to God in everything he does for you. Thank you. Hello everyone, (laughs) Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21 says Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we think or ask according to his power at work within us To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations The next song is come as a church, feel free to worship with us and the glory will be given back to God Thank you Oh, Lord, I want to thank you for today and to thank you for the life you have given unto us and to thank you for every good plan that you have for us, as you say in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, that you have good plans for us, Lord King of glory in your presence, Lord. May you heal the sick, Lord. May you come and touch your people's hearts. May you come and speak to your people, Lord, King of glory. For you say that your word is a lamp for our path and a light for our feet, Lord. May you come and be the light in our lives. May you come and help us not to go astray. May you forgive us for all the sins that you have committed, Lord. Surrender these people into your hands, Lord, in their marriages. May you give them joy. May you teach them to respect each other, Lord, King of glory. May you keep them united, Lord. May you come and reach out to your church. May you Cleanse your church, Lord. Come and speak to them as you're going to hear your word. Help them to put your word in practice. In Jesus' name we have prayed.
0: Wow. (laughs) How do you follow that? (laughs) Sometimes you don't count the cost. Um, I didn't realize how incredibly powerful that was. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for encouragement. Thank you for the ability to see kids from the age of 8 to 17 just blow me away with their faith in you. Thank you for this community. Thank you for the ability to, to worship you together, to pray together, to, uh, to just serve together. God, it is, it is truly an honor to be here. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, go before the, the rest of today. I pray that we wouldn't just be touched by these wonderful people today, but instead this would cause us to draw our hearts to pray for them more regularly to continue to thank the Lord for what you're doing. Thank you for James and his heart and his passion, his family and the sacrifice he continually makes coming to the States to, to raise support, to continue to do what you've led them to do in Africa. God, you are so faithful. Yeah, I just want more of that. I want more of us just worshiping you together. Thank you for our families being able to be a part of this and thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen, so didn't see that one coming. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to continue in Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. We're going to begin a conversation here that is something that has begun for a while. We're going to do a short version because the, the author of Hebrews kind of comes out and he talks about Abraham here. And then he's going to talk about his wife Sarah. And then he's going to talk about a few other things. And he's going to come back and talk about Abraham again. And so we're going to talk about just one specific aspect that I think we need to take from the text today. Surrounding what is this whole faith discussion that we've had? What is this whole faith conversation that we're, that we're in? And it's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. But if you think about, really when it comes to our lives here specifically, most of our, our lives are shaped and built and work on the idea and the basis of, of what home is. We spend countless hours making home, home. Some of you right now, you're literally working through what it means for, for you to have a home for yourself. You've, you've maybe rented for a while and you feel like you're displaced. Some of you are spending immense amount of hours trying to make the home you already have more homey feeling and more comfortable. And it's not that, that that's wrong. It's not that it's wrong for us to want home. And it's not that it's wrong for us to want the comforts that we can have around a home. And, and I, don't think we should def, I definitely don't think we should take it for granted. We should, be, we should be incredibly appreciative and thankful for the fact that we have a place to put our head at the end of the day. We should be incredibly amazed by that. But I think what's happened, if we're not careful with, with what we learned from the text today, I think what's happened is we made our lives about this being home. We've made our lives about my home being either on the bench or in this place or I'm in Meridian or, or Boise. We've made our lives about our little teeny plot of land that we— barely own, most of the time the bank owns, right? And then we we are paying off the bank to own this, but we work hard, we spend time, we, we spend, a lot of you spend time in college thinking about where you're gonna go and what will be your home in the future, what will be your home when you come out of this transitional stage. And again, it's not that those things are wrong, but what if God wasn't showing you where your home was because he was trying to do something for you in faith? What if God was trying to get you to surrender yourself more to his will in your life than your own work. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 just brings up Abraham. And again, this isn't the first time that Abraham's been brought up in Hebrews. He compared Abraham to Jesus and how Jesus was better than Abraham. But he comes in now and he comes in a different way with Abraham. He says in verse 8, he says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with the hymn of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. We see the the story here. Uh, The author brings in what is really recorded for us in Genesis 12. And so I'd encourage you to go back. You can read about Genesis 12. You can see kind of Abraham's father in 11 and, and where he was going and the land they're in. And basically, Abraham has a home. He has a foundation. He is not a foreigner. He is, he is in place. It's comfortable. His family's raised him here. This is home for him. And God comes to him and says, look, I want you to go to a place. But he doesn't reveal to him what that place is. He says, I want you to go. And what does Abraham do? Abraham obeys him. Abraham obeys him and, and packs up his family and leaves what is known for the unknown. And as a pastor, I I talk to a lot of people when it comes to relationships and future jobs and work and all these different decisions that we're making. And so often, we want to make the decisions based on what is known. Yet, by faith, we see that Abraham leaves what is known for the unknown. And so what I wanted to do is, I think there's just about three or four little things that we can take out of this text today, but I wanted us to, to kind of hammer in quickly on this. The ultimate desire, I think, of what the author is doing in Hebrews is he's starting to show, like we said originally, he's starting to show how faith plays out. This isn't necessarily a definition of what faith is, but he's showing that faith, when it's lived, will look like this in different ways. He kind of turns these lights, these lives. And last week, Danny talked about Noah and, and obeying God for the 120 years of building there. And we, he, he talked about working through that and making, making a, an ark and, and spending time and obeying and so we see God doing this work through Noah, through obedience, and now we see Abraham getting called out of what is known to what is unknown. And for most of us, that's exhilarating. We think, oh man, if, if God called me to go visit James and Kapala Church down in Uganda, like, that's exhilarating and that's exciting. In this day, it's different. To leave what is known to move to unknown, you basically give up your rights. You give up your rights. As a, an alien in an area, essentially you're saying you have zero rights in that area. You've given up Every bit of posture and, and people group that you are and every single aspect of what it means to be who you are is just stripped from you. Your last name doesn't mean anything. Your, your genealogy doesn't mean anything in this area. It becomes you are a foreigner and you've lost all stability. Now, it'd be easy for us to look at Abraham's story and go, well, Abraham is the father of faith. I mean, I mean we've, we've talked about Abraham. We sing songs about Abraham. Look how amazing he is. He obviously went because God says in Hebrews, or in Genesis 12, I will bless you, and anyone who's opposed to you, I will curse you. Well, that's enough to think that, man, obviously I would go if God came and spoke to me and said this. We get a really funny, interesting bit that I just wanted to point out. Two things. One is, he doesn't know where he's going. Okay, that's not revealed to him until later. And the second thing is, when he gets to where he's going, there's a famine on the land, and he has to leave it and go to Egypt. And most of us would think in that situation, well, well, hang on a second now. Where are you, God? You led me. You led me to this unknown. I, I brought myself to this spot. I followed you obediently. I'm following you, Lord. Why then am I in this land and now I have to leave this land and flee to Egypt because the f- famine is so severe? See, it's not only the unknown that God's after, it's our heart. And I think so often we assume that because it's not known, that maybe God isn't taking us there. That's the first hurdle. The second hurdle is that when it becomes known to us, we just assume the circumstances will be really, really easy. And it'll make perfect sense. Every single situation after that will make so much sense. You'll be like, well, this is obviously why God brought me here. Because look, I would love to have that conversation with Abraham. Maybe if Sarah's wife So, honey, you sure God told us to come here? Because we're headed to Egypt. Which, by the way, that was that whole debacle where Abraham says that Sarah's his sister. Yeah, that's a whole other story, right? Our father of faith has a pretty colored background, right? I feel like there would have been some wrestling there. If I was Abraham, even if I'd heard God and God showed up and spoke to me, he even says, hey, by the way, your descendants, that's a funny thing because he has zero descendants when he's promised this land. He hasn't even promised to have descendants yet when he leaves. And so often we think that faith is about us operating in the known as opposed to operating in the unseen. We think that because we live by faith, well, then life will just be easy and circumstances will go really, really well for us and everything makes sense in our small little lives. I don't know about you, but, but at least in my own life, the few times that by faith I've stepped, I feel like I never step on anything that seems super found, super strong. Another thing that's incredible is that it goes on, and says, it says by faith twice about Abraham. First, it says by faith you leave this land. The second thing he says, by faith you live in this land. And what's unique about this is that Abraham lived in this promised land in tents. He never ever got a solid foundation underneath his feet. He never, he never found himself standing on something concrete. Instead, it was tense. It was, it was a nomadic lifestyle. God says, take you out. I'm giving you a land to go to. Take me out. I'm giving you a land to go to. But just when you're in that land, just so you know, you're not going to get a home there either. And see, and that's where I think most of us get in trouble. As most of us hear God's calling or leading in our lives, and we, we follow him into this place, we make this offer on this home, or we, we do the things that God leads us to do in this situation, we step there and we find ourselves in that spot, and then we go, "Ah, oh, I've arrived. Thank you, Lord. And we sit cruise control. When, if you think about it, Abraham never, ever experienced that cruise control lifestyle. He never got to just kind of settle in to, oh, this is home. By faith, he lived in a scenario as an alien, as someone without rights, leaving what he had for rights. And then he stepped and he planted himself in, his promise, in the promised land that it says, Isaac and Jacob, by the way, that, that comes later. It's not that they, they dwelt with him there in that setting. It's that that's a promise that comes to his heirs. And essentially what Abraham does, it does something profoundly big that I, that I learned this week and I want all of us to do, not only individually, but I also think as a church. I think as a church, and I, I told you this year, we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to risk faith. I think as a church, it's been no secret that ultimately this space may not be here forever. And for us to, to pursue something else may be like, okay, well, we might arrive there, but for us to do that would be a misrepresentation of what I think home is really for us. See, home is not this space. Home is not some other space. Home is not something that gives us the ability to lock the door and put our name on a, on a piece of paper that says it's ours when we pay it off in 30 years. It's not home. So how did Abraham do this? How did Abraham live a lifestyle? It says 75 years, 75 to 100 years, he lives this nomadic lifestyle. He lives this by being obedient to God's commands in his life, to calling him out. He follows the Lord. Look, Abraham worshiped idols before, the God, before God called him. We learned that from Acts. He was a false worshiper of, of, a, of a bunch of other gods before God leads him in this step. And so God instills in him faith. And, and like we've said a number of times, faith isn't something we just pull from. It's, it's who we are. It's given to us by the Lord, and it's acting in it. It's living in it. It's trusting him, but not just him. And this is where I think the big issue is. See, the, the, the scriptures here give us an answer. I'm, I'm holding out on for a second. It's one word. It says for, for in this, in this text. It says for Abraham. And this is a huge, huge, huge statement. Because essentially what it's saying is it's saying that he earnestly expected something. Abraham 4, how did he live this way? How did he do it? Because why? Because he was fixated not on the present foundation, but on the eternal foundation. He wasn't focused on making home really comfortable here. He was focused on living here in the time and doing God's will ultimately for his home in heaven. And we get sidetracked. We get fixated on Remodeling our own space, which again, remodel, that's great, do it. But we get so fixated on living our lives to make this home front, this homestead, our space, and we forget that we are aliens in this land. We are not, this is not home for us. In fact, verse 10, he says it this way He says, For Abraham was looking forward to what? The city that has foundations. How profound would that have been living in tents? How incredible would it have been to say, I'm looking forward to having a foundation under my feet. Why? What was he looking forward to? Foundations whose designer and builder is God, not man. See, by faith, Abraham obeyed the Lord. He stepped out and walked forward, recognizing that his comfort, his home, what is known, it was better to be in the unknown with God. And then when the unknown got ugly and he had to go to a famine, he still didn't run from the Lord. Now, he made plenty of mistakes. Don't make this about him by any means but I think there's a lesson to be learned in there in fact there's a few things there's three quick things that I think we can take from this one is we shouldn't be living life this life as if this is where home is as a church this is not home as individuals where you are putting your head on your pillow at night that is not home that is a place you get to borrow for a temporary time which really is, is equated in God's mind as a vapor of a life before we expend an eternity as the bride with the bridegroom this is, this is not home we need, to, we need to be focused more on the future of what God is doing in our life. We need to be resting. Faith is resting in His promises. It's seeing Him move. What He says is true. And believing that that's not just some hypothetical going to happen someday, but that is coming. And we are to live this life with the faith that He has given us. Operating in obedience to His word. Recognizing that my home, your home, is not home. It's temporary. It's temporary. And the instant it becomes in the way of what we're doing for eternal purposes, then I dare you say, just get rid of it. Don't let that come in the way of you. Second thing we can see, and we saw this a lot last week in Noah, is that obeying God is a way to display his faith through us. When we obey God, we display the faith that he has given us. When we obey God, we're basically saying, God, what you say is true and good and worth my life, despite my circumstances, that's key. Because Abraham could have easily stayed in Egypt and said, you know what, famine. You know what, I, I must have heard God wrong. It was cool that it was a great little conversation with him, but I'm a little scared, so I'm just going to stay here. I can, I can really get comfortable here. I can build some stuff out of stone. I don't have to live in tents. We're, we're going to doubt. Faith doesn't mean that you don't doubt. Look at John the Baptist. That's one of the, the most amazing ones to me, Right? He's standing in the water when a dove ascends on Jesus Christ, and he's baptized and says, this is my son, right? Morgan Freeman voice coming down, right? Like, it's, it's over him. He experiences that whole thing, and then what happens? A little while longer, he's wrongfully imprisoned because he was confronting some, a king for doing something that was evil, and he's wondering, wait a second, I thought the Messiah was going to come and crush Rome. And so he sends word, are you the one? John the Baptist sees God speaking over Jesus Christ, He literally jumps in the womb before he's even come out to to Jesus. Like, you feel like there'd be pretty concrete evidence in his life that this is the one. But because of his circumstances, he doubted. Too often, I think, because we want known over unknown, we allow circumstances to dictate what our faith really is. Too often, we, we give way to difficulty as opposed to standing firm in faith and obeying God in his word and stepping out and leaving the comfort. Obeying God is a way for us to display his faith. And then I think a super 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 practical thing that we can take from this is that God is going to lead you to an unfamiliar territory to accomplish what his will his desire his will is in you and through you. He's going to lead you to unfamiliar territory. Now you can go kicking and screaming or you can obey him. You can submit yourselves to him. You can move so that when someone looks back on your life they say by faith they stepped, by faith they walked. What would it look like for you to step and not know what the next step means? What would it look like to be so surrendered to God's will in your life that everything fell away and all you were fixated on is eternal rewards? What would it look like for us to live a life that wasn't based on home being here but home being in his kingdom forever? Like Jesus tells us to pray for daily your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. What would it look like to live that life? And my bet is some of you, God has already spoken this to you. He's already been leading you to it and you've planted yourself in the ground and said, well, I would love to go, God but I got this brick and mortar here, you know, that I'm responsible for. And I, I, can't, I can't step out in unfamiliar because that would just be unwise. It would be foolish for me to sell this house now in this market. It would be foolish for me to give my way this way. It would be foolish for me to leave this career and do this because everything makes sense by the world's standards with where I'm at. Because when you look at Abraham's life, it doesn't make sense in the world's standards. He leaves family, he leaves friends, he leaves familiarity for unfamiliarity. And then even in that, he makes a bunch of mistakes. But even in that, that's taken from him and said, hey, this is the land that I'm giving you. Oh, by the way, it's in famine, so go back to where the Nile River is so you can, you know, live. Abraham never gets to see that foundation. He never physically present for that time, that work. Instead, he, he, his, his children get to see it. Us as his descendants get to experience it. And I can't help but think, and I don't, I don't want to make this about Abraham, but I can't help but think if Abraham was sitting here right now in my life, would he be looking at me going, hey, Brent, what are you, what are you doing with this home? This little this little home you've made, this safe comfortable thing you're doing. Like is this is this for for something other than God's purposes because it just doesn't seem like that's what's supposed to be for. Your life is not really about you, Bren. Your life is about me, not Abraham, but God. Your life is about his purposes in it. Your life is about his work. So are are you are you afraid of following me into unfamiliarity? Because I think that's where some of us are. You fear moving in obedience because you believe the lie that his promises are not true. You believe the lie that when you step in the faith he's given you, he won't show up. I know some of you are thinking, well, I've done that. I stepped. I did this and I, this didn't happen. I totally like gave up dating and I would expect he'd bring me a wife by now, but he just hasn't done it, right? Like I've been bathing more. Like you've been, you've been doing everything you can to try and help yourself find a date, right? Where are you? God, show up. Do this. Come on now. Right? I've, I've made these, these wise decisions with my finances. Why isn't he giving me more finances? I've, I've done what was supposed to be done in my college career. Why haven't I gotten the job that I wanted? Why do I keep finding myself unsatisfied by this world? Because you were never meant to find satisfaction in this world. You were never meant to live for this world. You are of another world. You are of a world that gets to be in a kingdom where we get to hang out with our friends from Uganda and worship our king all day long. That's the world that we're going to, guys. Not this broken world that's messed up. We get to be light and salt here today. And to do that, I think some of us need to stop planting our roots so deep that we think it's all about the media. What would it look for you to risk faith and do that? What would it look for you to step out in confidence that God's promises aren't just something written that were nice for us to look at, but are really true? What would it look like for you to live a life that would be riddled with statements where the Lord says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Now here's the other trick, and this is the last one, then we're gonna end. I don't think this is a one-time thing. I would love to tell you that I could say, by faith, Brent started a church seven years ago, and I could be like, sweet, I'm done. I don't have to do anything else by faith. But I don't think it works like that. I think that every single day I live, I'm to live by faith. I think that every choice that we make is to be by faith. And the way that the Lord is pulling us into this today is by obeying Him. So church, let me ask this question. John's going to come up. We're going to sing one more song. Where are you not obeying God? When you look at God's word, or maybe when someone that loves you looks at God's word and says, hey, hey, let me just cloak this scripture right next to your life. Are you obeying God's word? Because if you're not, here's the thing. Here's what I think. Most likely what's going to happen is if you're not obeying is that you're saying that God's faith that's in me isn't enough to obey him. What God has given me is not enough for him to work his work in me. And I need more. Abraham demonstrates his faith by obeying God. Even though he's completely unfamiliar with the land to which he was going, this thought continues the motif that faith consists of acting with reference to the unseen. Wrote it this way. It is important to note that the promise that his descendants would inherit the land did not come until after Abraham was already in Canaan. And the promise would not be realized by Abraham himself, but by his offspring. Thus, he did not go to the land to possess it, but to live out an act of obedience to God. Also, dwelling in tents serves as a symbol of his commitment not to settle into earthly cities, but to seek a more permanent city built by God. Our obedience to God's will rests in our faith in His promises. Let me say that again. Our obedience to God's will rests in our faith in His promises. You want to see more of God's will in your life? Then put faith in His promises. Let it it literally rest on what He has said is true and good and will come. Don't go through life disobeying God. Don't go through life waiting for Him to bring satisfaction through worldly things because He never promises that. Don't go through life feeling like you've arrived once you finally have a little piece of paper that has your name next to a bank on a plot of land saying, I finally have a home. Maybe let me just say it this way. Stop exchanging faithfulness to God for the known. Stop giving up what faithfulness and obedience to his will looks like because it's known. Like, stop giving that up and say, I don't care if it's unknown. I want to be faithful. I want to live a life that is about him. I want a life where they can write about me from years from now saying, by faith, by faith, by faith. Let's live a life where we can truly submit our wills to the Lord. We can obey him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ability to have faith from you. It's a gift. We thank you that you, you didn't promise our homes that we have right now as home, but instead you are building a better home for us. God, I, I can't help but picture Jesus representing, getting the table ready for us to show up as his bride. The bridegroom is like eagerly anticipating us. He's, he set a place for each one of us by name. He's like, oh, oh, I know that Bren loves this, this style of food. And I, love, I know that this flower speaks to her heart. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this very thing here. God, he, was, he is eagerly placing and preparing a place for us. How dare we get focused on the temporary home we have? Father, would we be a people that are so eager for your kingdom that it actually shows in our life today? Would we be a people that are so willing to walk in obedience to you by faith that you would be able to accomplish much for your kingdom purposes in and through our life. Father, forgive us for being afraid of the unknown. Forgive us for doubting you and your promises. God, would you bring about more faith? I think the disciples asked you two things. They said, teach us to pray, and they asked you for more faith. So as your children, I pray, give us more faith, Lord. We thank you for the ability to worship you today. We thank you for the work you're doing in and through us for your glory and your glory alone. And God, I pray, would you do a mighty work in our lives this week? God, would you uproot the areas that we've made roots that we just shouldn't have? Would you rip away the things that we keep wrapping ourselves around when you say, this is not who you are. This is not what I made you for. And would you free us to follow you the way that you intended and created us to do so? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.